What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. So we all know professional athletes are some of the world's highest paid entertainers. There are thousands of players across the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and soccer leagues around the world that are making millions of dollars every single year to perform their very best. But what happens when things go wrong? Injuries happen, of course, and some players simply just don't perform their best for the entire length of their contract. So today we're going to run through the world of athlete insurance. I'll explain exactly what types of athlete insurance there are, how these plans work, and then we'll even run through some specific use cases of athletes that have financially benefited from complex insurance policies. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. Okay, so the most logical place to start with this is that most sports fans probably don't even know that these huge contracts you see that make headlines every single day in sports are actually insured. And the athletes themselves that are getting these big deals, in most cases, pull out athlete-specific policies on themselves. That's right. Just like you or I can pull out a policy on a home, car, or life insurance, so can the team you root for on its biggest superstar. So today we're going to be looking at a few different things. And I want to start with what exactly is athlete insurance? Athlete insurance in its simplest sense is like I just said, it's just like any other insurance policy that you or I would have. There's a bunch of different types, but the easiest way to explain it is that literally everything that is connected to a professional athlete can and probably is insured. So we're talking about the athletes themselves, the teams, there's youth leagues, right? Sports leagues that are insured. There's school leagues, college leagues. There's insurance all through there. The coaches are insured. The sports team, the organization's board members are insured. There's league and team equipment that's insured. There are uh, bystanders, right, for injury for people in the crowd that has insurance. There's crime coverage. There's basically literally anything that you can think of that is connected to an athlete probably has insurance on it or should have insurance on it. And there's a few different ways to look at this. So the most popular ones are disability is one of the biggest ones. This is covered provided to professional and college athletes at risk of losing substantial earnings due to temporary or permanent injury, aka if they get hurt, they could lose money. Disability insurance. It's same disability insurance that you would see in a workplace or somewhere else, usually just a little bit higher premiums, but you get the point. This is the most common insurance purchased by athletes and teams, and it essentially just provides financial security in the case of a career-ending injury. These policies usually provide a tax-free, tax-free, that's a very important part of this, lump sum payment when a claim is approved. So you pay into this policy every single year, usually with an upfront payment and then continuous payments after that. And if you are deemed, uh, the claim is approved, you are deemed to be disabled, and unable to compete, a career-ending injury or something like that, then you get paid out. It's a tax-free lump sum payment. Temporary disability is also a common insurance policy used by athletes. And this is really common in more so like golf and tennis players, because specifically in golf and tennis, if you get hurt or you have a temporary injury, you can't enter tournaments and you can't make any money, right? So if you're a golfer or a tennis player that's hurt and you can't play, you're not making any money, maybe outside of endorsements or something like that. If you're an MLB player and you get hurt, you are still making your money, right? It's guaranteed money. It's not the same for golf and tennis players. So there is temporary disability claims that are more prevalent in those sports. The premiums for these types of coverages, obviously it depends on the athlete. It depends on the sport. It depends on the injury, all this kind of stuff. But they typically will say on average cost about $10,000 per million that is insured, right? So 10,000 for every million that ends up being insured. Those numbers are a few years old at this point, maybe like five or seven or eight years since I've last seen a good update on that. But that's generally where we'll see it with inflation. Maybe it's a little bit higher today, but you guys get the point. 10,000 per million that is insured. 
Another big policy or another big type of insurance is loss of value, which is essentially a different form of disability insurance. This is protection for athletes with injuries or illnesses that impact their quality of play. So the best example of this type of coverage is a college athlete set to turn professional who suffers an injury that reduces the value of their contract. You often see these policies pulled out by college football players that are hopeful NFL draft prospects during the middle of the season, right? They say, hey, look, I'm a top 10 or first round or second round pick. I'm going to continue to play out this entire year. I'm going to play in our bowl game. I'm going to play in the college football playoff, all this stuff. Those players most likely in, in majority of cases have insurance policies in place, loss of value policies in place, where if they get hurt, right, they tear an ACL, they hurt something, where it drops their value in the draft, loss of value, then they get a payout from that from the insurance company. There's a bunch of nuance to this stuff, obviously, and we're going to run through a few examples of that specifically at the end. So stick with me. There's another uh, common type of insurance called contractual bonuses. So this is basically just coverage for contractual bonuses an athlete may earn from their club for hitting certain performance levels outlined in their contract. So if you think about like Patrick Mahomes, right? He got a 10-year, $450 million contract. Those bonuses in, those, in that contract are very likely insured because these types of bonuses can cut into team profits when paid out. And coverage helps ensure there aren't budget shortfalls for franchises. So it works both ways, right? Teams can take out insurance. The players can take out insurance. There's disability. There's loss of value. There's contractual bonuses. One of the things that I think is most interesting is that there's sports agencies that take out insurance policies on certain players, right? So if a rookie has a contract and he's set up to get, uh, he's drafted top 10, top 15, top 20, he's a quarterback, and his next contract is going to be you know, $200 million, but he's getting paid uh, relatively little compared to what he might get later on after a signing bonus. They may take out a policy that says, hey, look, we think you're really good. You're a really high draft pick. We're going to get insurance on your next contract in case the coaching is really bad. You don't get an offensive line. You don't get any weapons and your value is suppressed over time. So there's a bunch of different kind of policies that you can take out here. But the point is there's hundreds of millions of dollars that are taken out in athlete insurance, billions of dollars, actually, in athlete insurance every single year. One of the most famous ones for athletes specifically, we're not talking about youth leagues. We're not talking about teams or anything like that is this company called Lloyd's of London. They do about $200 million in sports-related insurance policies every single year, and they've certainly become one of the leaders in this space. But if you look at sports league insurance specifically, right? So we moved through athletes. Now let's go into sports leagues. There's a bunch of different broad policies that provide coverage for leagues, franchises, and teams. Some of these would be crime protection. This is typically the primary part of league insurance that offers financial protection for teams from crimes that involve club athletes and staff, right? So if there's a crime involving someone that's on the team or relative to the team or whatever it is, you have crime protection in place, again, insurance. These are things, like I said before, that the normal sports fan typically would not even think about, right? When I was like growing up, when I was in college, whatever it was, like I was just watching sports. I didn't think anything about this kind of stuff, but it obviously makes sense. These are billion dollar, multi-billion dollar businesses in most cases. You're paying your employees, that's technically what they are, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases, and you have to have insurance policies in place to protect yourself financially, legally, et cetera. So there's a few other ones too. There's excess accident medical. This is just major injuries that could occur on the property. This could occur at a baseball game, right? Someone gets hit with a foul ball or a flying bat or whatever it is. We've seen this stuff sadly used in the past, right? When someone gets hurt at a baseball game or whatever it is. There's other sports that obviously use that stuff too, but that's certainly one of them. Inland Marine, this is protection for expensive equipment used by franchises that may get damaged while being stored or transported. So just like you would, you know, if you own a construction business, you would have insurance on your heavy machinery. Sports team have 
insurance on their equipment that's being used also, right? So whatever it is, it could be literally anything that the football team is using or the basketball team is using or the baseball team or the soccer team or whatever. Their equipment in some cases can be really, really, really expensive. So they have insurance on that stuff in case anything happens during transportation or storage, anything breaks or whatever it might be. There's also athletic trainer liability insurance. This essentially just protects the team athletic trainers for any professional liability claims made against them while on the job, right? So in the same, we've seen this literally happen in the NFL the past, past few years, which is players, I think it was Tyrod Taylor specifically, blamed the Chargers doctor and said that he was receiving injections to go out and play and do these different things. And he's not the only one. There's, there's a number of players that have made these claims in past. And it doesn't mean that it's not happening. In fact, I actually think it is happening in some cases, but the team and the doctors that they're employing are often protected because of the insurance plans in place. And again, there, there's a bunch of nuance to this, just like anything else. If you uh, have a history of, of breaking these rules or invoking claims or whatever it is, then your insurance policies are obviously either A, more expensive or B, you just can't get insurance. So that's certainly another part of it from an athletic trainer standpoint. Another one would be event cancellation. This is coverage for cost of any cancellated and postponed games and events. This covers things like ticket reimbursements, concession sales, advertising, other event-related expenses. And these policies even have coverage for things like weather or terrorist-related events. Event cancellation famously has been used over the last few years with COVID for everything from ticket reimbursements. I had the founder of Spartan Races on the podcast a while ago, Joe DeSena, and he was talking about how they sold hundreds of millions of dollars in tickets for Spartan Races all over the world, literally all over the world. They were going to China, they were going to Europe, they were in the US, they were in Mexico, they were in Canada, they were literally everywhere around the world. And they were planned out usually like a year or two in advance from a ticket perspective. Obviously you sell more as you get closer to the event, but they're doing events two, three, four years out. They had hundreds of millions of dollars in tickets that they had to reimburse because of COVID. And event cancellation insurance is one of the things that ended up saving them a bunch of money. Now, look, it doesn't cover everything. You're not getting 100% of your money back or the money that you would have potentially made profit-wise off of everything. But ultimately, it is a nice thing to have when something like that happens, where it's something essentially just out of your control. You can't do anything about it. So that covers you know everything, weather, terrorist-related events, cancel, postpone games, whatever it is reimburses tickets, concession sales, advertising, and other expenses that are related to those events specifically. So now I want to transition into a little bit of like, one, how these deals work, but also a few examples of players that have used them in the past. So my friend Darren Rovell, who some of you I'm sure know, wrote a good explainer of like how these things work probably, you know, almost 10 years ago now, but it hasn't by and large changed very much. And the example that he uses is how the Baltimore Orioles insured the contract of Albert Bell. And Albert Bell is, is unique in the story because we're going to get to him in both parts, both how the policies work, but his specific policy as an example also. So the way it works is actually pretty simple. Before or shortly after a team signs a player, the CFO, the chief financial officer of the team, will get together with the owner or other front office staff, and they'll decide on a particular insurance policy. Each team evaluates its own threshold of risk. So there's no like standard, right? There is kind of a standard when it comes to the quality of the contract, the price of the contract that you'll do it on because just, you know, break even analysis there. It makes sense to do essentially any contract that's worth like $3 million or more. Most teams do, but ultimately you have to decide on your threshold for risk. Some owners won't do any insurance. Some will do every contract is insured and there's everyone in between. So they sit down, they decide on threshold of risk, and then they go out and they insure for the policies, right? So that involves a number of things. The amount or the premium that the team pays to the insurance carrier 
is determined by a bunch of things. It can be determined by the waiting period. It's the amount of days before a team can collect on a player's injury. The longer the waiting period, the less the team will have to pay for the policy. In baseball, one of the things that Rovell points out, which I think is very unique, is that there's usually a 90 or a 182-day waiting period, and it starts at the beginning of the regular season. So if a player who is covered by a team's insurance policy injures himself on, call it March 7th, and the team has a 90-day waiting period, the team will collect its money on the 91st day of the regular season, or June 30th. A team with 182-day waiting period, the standard length of an MLB season, will automatically start collecting on a long-term injury policy on opening day of the following season. So in other words, it's you know 90 to 182 days that you have to wait. And an example of how this works. So if a team opens up an insurance policy on a player, that player ends up getting injured on say August 15th is the example that Robel uses. And he's injured through the first 30 days of the following season. We'll assume that the team is covered for 70%, which is pretty much average, of the player's $10 million contract, the team collects nothing for the previous season, but immediately starts collecting at the start of the next season. And here's a breakdown of how much they'll actually collect. So this player's season salary, as I mentioned, is about $10 million. Divided by 182 days in a season, that's $54,945 per day. Multiply 54,945 times, 30 days missed due to injury. So He's injured 30 days. Every single day of that 30 days is worth essentially $55,000 to the team. That's a $1.645 million loss to the team. 70% of that money, the $1.645 million, is reimbursed to the team, $1.154 million. And then you have to subtract the premium. Obviously, whatever you paid for the premium is the total amount of money that the insurance company owes to the team. So again, $10 million contract, he's hurt. For 30 days, you divide that by 182 days in a season. His contract is technically worth about $55,000 every day during the season. You multiply that $55,000 times 30 days. It equals $1.645 million. He's worth the team that he's injured for 30 days. They get 70% of that money back through insurance. That's $1.154 million in insurance money that they would get back. You subtract the premium for that that they owe to the insurance company. And that's the total amount of money that they would get back as a team. So again, one of the reasons I like bringing this up is because like most people see in baseball, they see in other sports, an athlete gets injured, whether it's Jacoby Ellsbury for the Yankees, whether it's freaking Derrick Rose or anyone else, right? Like athletes get injured all the time. And some Chris Davis, right, for the Orioles, like they get these big contracts, they get injured and everyone just thinks, ah, oh, the team got so screwed. They owe them so much money. And in a lot of cases, these players are insured by the team, right? So the team is getting a chunk of that money back. And again, this is insurance, so it works both ways where you're paying for people that sometimes don't get hurt at all and so forth. But in most cases, there's a significant chunk of this money that's coming back to the team through disability, loss of value, you know, temporary disability insurance, whatever it might be. So there's a couple other factors to consider for team loss of value coverage. So most teams' loss of value policies cover about 70% of the contract, as I mentioned. But policies are also available for cheaper premiums at a lower percentage of value. So they usually range anywhere between 50 to 80% of the value of a contract. At 50% of the contract that you get in return, you're paying a lower premium, a cheaper premium. And at 80%, you're paying a much higher premium. So teams are usually somewhere in between there. Again, it all depends on the owner, the, the financial situation that they're in, how much they believe in insurance, how much they value it, whatever it is. Specific players too, right? Every player is different what you want to insure on them if they don't have an injury history, if they do have an injury history. Again, a bunch of factors that go into it. But the way it works is there's 50% value policies and there's up to 80% value policies, cheaper premiums for the lower percentage payout, 
higher premiums for the, for the higher percentage payout. The age of an athlete is a critical factor for insurance companies. Older players at risk for greater injury typically require higher premium costs from the team. Another thing is the maximum team loss of value policy is typically about five years. And the type of sport is considered for premium costs as well. Higher injury leagues like the NFL and NBA demand higher premiums relative to a sport where you may not be as likely to get hurt or the injury rates are not as significant. So those are a few things to consider. Again, they range anywhere from 50% payout to 80% payouts, cheaper premiums on the lower plans, higher premiums on the, the better payout plans. Age is a critical factor. The risk injury relative to the sport, NFL, NBA, whatever it is, that's obviously a huge factor too. And these policies for loss of value typically extend up to five years in length. They don't go much longer than that usually. Now, the last thing I want to get into, and I'm really excited about this part, is specific athlete policies that we've seen in the past. And I like this part because you and I probably know some of these athletes for sure. And ultimately, it gives you a real idea of how these policies are used in everyday sports. So the first example is Albert Bell, who we mentioned earlier with the Baltimore Orioles. He signed a deal with the Orioles, a five-year, $65 million contract in 1998. Bell could no longer play. He had a hip issue at the age of 34 and was done with baseball. He was still owed $39 million over three years, $13 million per season. And he did what a lot of baseball players choose to do, chose not to officially retire because then the Orioles wouldn't have to pay him the money that he was owed on his remaining salary. So he was declared by the team totally disabled and unable to perform as a major league baseball player. Again, the team, and I quote, totally disabled and unable to perform as a major league baseball player. This officially released him from the team. However, the Orioles insurance policy covered 70% of Bell's remaining $39 million, obviously minus the payment the team made for the policy. So by declaring him totally disabled and unable to perform as a major league baseball player, the Orioles were able to recoup 70% of his remaining $39 million salary minus the premium that they had to pay for the policy in the first place. Secondly, another famous example is Robert Wickens of IndyCar. I'm sure some of you remember a few years ago in 2018, Robert Wickens, he was only doing his like 13th or 14th IndyCar race, and he was involved in a very, very bad accident. His car essentially went airborne into a safety fence at over 210 miles per hour. He ended up spending 10 days in an induced coma, 30 days in the ICU, and suffered a wheelchair-inducing spinal cord injury. It was a terrible, terrible accident and really bad for sports in general, obviously, but IndyCar specifically. But the, the fortunate news was that Wickens at the time had both workers' compensation and disability coverage, which was hugely beneficial in not only paying his medical bills, but ongoing payments after he was let go and, and, and out of the hospital. He obviously couldn't race anymore, couldn't perform. He was in a wheelchair. So that insurance played a huge part in keeping him financially safe and healthy and his family okay. So that's another good example. Another example, and this is probably one of my favorite ones because first off, it's it's a player that we all probably knew at the time, but second off, it shows how these policies work in college sports. And the player I'm talking about is former Oregon Duck, University of Oregon cornerback, Ifu Ikpre Ulamu. So if you guys aren't familiar with this story, it's probably one of the most interesting insurance cases that we've seen over the last decade, specifically because it's become commonplace now for fans to say, oh, that player doesn't want to play in the bowl game. They don't want to play in the college football playoff. They're worried they're going to get hurt. It's going to affect their draft stock. And we've seen this for sure. Absolutely. There's been a number of players that have gotten hurt and it has affected their draft stock. And Ifu was one of these players. So the way it worked was that he was projected to be the 12th overall NFL draft pick leading up to his last year at Oregon. So Oregon, the school, took out a loss of value policy on him, an insurance policy. 
They paid a $40,000 premium for him to do that based on his value as the 12th overall pick. What happens? He ends up tearing his ACL during a December practice preparing for the 2015 college football playoff, which disabled him from participating in the NFL Combine and Oregon's Pro Day, and he dropped dramatically in the NFL draft. He fell all the way to the seventh round and was picked 241st overall. So again, he was projected to be the 12th overall pick and then ended up being picked 241st overall. And he didn't recoup the $10.5 million of guaranteed money that he would have gotten as the 12th pick, but he got $3 million off back from the policy, which was huge because he never actually ended up earning that much money in the NFL. He was on and off injured reserve throughout his entire career in the NFL. He never played a game and only earned $785,000 during his NFL career. So that money, that $3 million ended up being you know three times more than he made during his entire NFL career. One could argue that the injury is what ultimately ended up causing him to not have a successful NFL career. But regardless, he was in college at the time. It ended up affecting his draft stock for sure. And he got $3 million because the University of Oregon took that policy out for him with a premium of $40,000. And it's not just him, right? There are schools all over the country that do this. Oregon's famous for doing it. They did it with Marcus Mariota, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, a bunch of different players who have gone on to have long NFL careers. But there's a number of players that you guys have probably never heard about that have gotten these policies taken out. They end up getting hurt or whatever it might be. And they drop their NFL career. They don't make as much money as they thought they might be able to. And next thing you know, they're receiving potentially millions of dollars from these insurance policies as payouts. So I think that's going to become even more prevalent. We see this throughout college sports today, and it's been going on for a while, but it's going to become even bigger with more more athletes deciding whether they want to sit out games or, or, or play in those games. Another good example is Marion Hossa. So those of you who might remember, Hossa was forced to retire from the NHL due to a rare skin disease. And the Chicago Blackhawks included him and his contract in a trade to the Arizona Coyotes. And the way it worked was Hosa was technically carrying a $5.75 million cap hit per season at the time via his contract, but his base salary was only $1 million per season, and 80% of that was insured, which meant the Coyotes only had to pay Hosa $200,000 each year he was on their books. So again, this is another great example because the average sports fan doesn't know that, doesn't think about that, has no idea that the insurance is paying, in this case, 80% of his contract when he gets included and sent to another team. That happens in the NBA. It happens in the NFL. It happens for a bunch of different sports leagues and teams and individuals all throughout the global sports ecosystem. And Hosa is a good example of that. Another good example is Anthony Kim of the PGA Tour. I'm sure some of you remember Anthony Kim. His Profile shot through the roof after the 2008 Ryder Cup. He ends up winning a few PGA Tour events, and then he just disappears. He tore his Achilles and literally just disappeared from the PGA Tour. No one heard from him really for like two to three years. And then in 2015, he comes out and he tells the Associated Press that no one's heard from him because he's quietly collecting payments from an insurance policy since he left the PGA Tour. The policy was reportedly worth at least $10 million, and it was all tax-free. So again, he leaves the PGA Tour due to an Achilles injury and starts collecting monthly checks for a $10 million insurance policy that's all tax-free. And the reason why he didn't return is because if he did return, he wouldn't be able to receive his monthly payments from the insurance policy. So he essentially just quit golf saying, the amount of money I'm going to get from the insurance policy is likely to be more than the amount of money I might be able to win on tour or through endorsements or other stuff like that. We don't know if that's true or if it's not. It really depends on the quality of play that he would have been able to do when he gets back. But again, $10 million in insurance policy, all tax-free. 
there was a rumor that Live Golf was actually going to try to sign Kim. He was like 37 or 38 at this point, I guess. But he doesn't seem to be interested in that at all from what we can tell. There's been numerous articles that have come out that just said he's living his life lavishly. He got a bunch of money. He invested it. He did all this other stuff. And he is fine. So I think that's another good example of how athletes can just disappear from the public light once these policies go in place. You may say this guy gave up. You may say he's injured. He can't figure it out. He's a head case. Something else is going on. But in some cases, they're literally just collecting an insurance policy and they're not playing or competing specifically because if they did, that insurance policy would go away. And the last example I want to run through is Christian Erickson. This is one that you guys all probably remember. It was only a couple of years ago. And it's a good example of what if when discussing athlete insurance. In 2021, Erickson collapsed and nearly died from a heart attack, a heart issue on the pitch while playing a match for Denmark against Finland. And while he has thankfully made a full recovery, he also had an athlete insurance policy in place that would have provided him long-term care. And his is a unique example because he was playing for his national team. And the national team in Denmark specifically has a state workers insurance plan that covers them only when they're playing for the national team. So Erickson had this plan in place for the national team. And then he had to open up a separate plan for his professional club, which was Inter at the time. And that was through Lloyd's of London. So again, he was fortunate that he had multiple plans in place because that's one of the things that most people don't even think about too is if he is playing for Inter, he has his own insurance. But then when he goes to the national team, it's a completely different policy, insurance coverage, whatever it might be, that is run through Denmark specifically. So he was fortunate there that he was able to make a full recovery. But again, medical bills, everything like that was covered. Outside of that, if he was not able to make a full recovery, he would have been covered specifically because Denmark has a state workers insurance policy program. All right, that's it for today. I hope all of you enjoyed this topic. I had a bunch of fun putting it together and I hope you guys learned something new today. I hope everyone has an amazing start to their week and we'll talk on Wednesday.